0: Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks game. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out,
2: no matter how hard it rains my city. Hello
1: everybody and welcome to Seventh episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser, and we're going to have a really fun time on the show tonight talking about a 2022 Seahawks draft class that has a lot of fans a titter. A titter, I say. Uh, there, there, there is a lot of excitement, a lot of interest in what the Seahawks did, a lot of shock, I would say, shock at the almost conventionality of what they did so uh with me for the show jeff simmons will be joining us later he had a little bit of a, a scheduling snafu but i'm eager eager to hear jeff's thoughts he actually was doing live draft coverage with another outlet over the weekend so we didn't get as much chance to hear from him um, also we've got nathan Ernst at nathan 11 uh nathan will be representing the Point of view about why drafting Kenneth Walker was the right move and uh, a wise decision so I'm looking forward to him taking that position how are you doing Nathan
2: I'm doing good um, yeah uh, a lot of uh, draft content a lot of draft watching a lot of draft recapping but uh, this is gonna be a fun one to talk about so I'm excited agreed
1: and, and last but certainly not least Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter Dana You were there. You were in Vegas. You were a member of the media doing your thing and we want to hear all about it. First, we want to hear how you're doing. How's life?
3: Life is good. Um, It's been really busy the last two weeks um, since I found out I was going to Vegas and so got a little crazy then but yeah it's been been really good. Things are good. I'm real happy after friday (laughs) so it's been pretty good yeah and the draft was a blast so i was lucky enough to get to go to the draft um um, our tour football got media um credentials and so um i was there um the energy i've i've covered other major nfl events and the energy from the draft is something completely different than anything else i've i've noticed um or i've been around that's um it, the the fan energy is different than you know they're there the other places like I've been to the Pro Bowl I've been to a couple other places Hall of Fame they're excited to meet their heroes and at this you really got the impression from the fans that they were excited to figure out who their next heroes were going to be and you heard that a lot they're like oh if we get this kid it's going to completely change our team or you know I, I don't care who we get I just am ready for something new and in Vegas, I have never seen more Philadelphia Eagles fans in one place other than at a game in my life. They were everywhere. And you expected to be inundated with Raiders fans, right? But it wasn't. It was Eagles, Jets. There was a lot of Seahawks fans there, a lot. Um, I have a feeling there'll be even more next year here in Kansas City, but there were a lot of Seahawks fans. Um, But the number of Eagles fans just really stood out to me. And and I, I hope that they're happy. But it was a lot of fun. The um draftees themselves were fantastic. Their families were great. We got some great interviews, some fun sound bites. And these kids watching them, the pure excitement of their dream coming true, really it, it's another level. It, it was a blast.
1: I have to ask, you know, Eagles, you mentioned Eagles fans. Mm-hmm. Were they just buzzing after the AJ Brown trade? Like. <laughs> that was just, that was, that might've been the biggest shock of the weekend, right? Like, Oh,
3: absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was sitting in the media workroom, which was this giant ballroom with just tables set up everywhere. And when you have about this much space with your <laughs> little name on it and you have assigned seating. So you sit with the same group of people all the time, but we were all going through Twitter and you hear this and it started at the back of the room and just moved forward. Like people were shocked. They just, um, were, were so surprised that that was happening. Um, And then walking around Vegas later that night, that was, you heard that a lot from them. Um, Eagles fans were thrilled, needless to say, (laughs) they were thrilled. So that was really fun. But it's interesting to be on the other side of it. You know, a lot of times we're on the fan side of it and we hear things and we have these big reactions or whatever, but you don't expect the media to have those reactions. Oh, that's a bunch of crap. They, something would happen and the whole place would be like, oh damn, it sounded like a sports bar in there sometimes it was really fun and, and so I I think it was really good, Um, the first round really surprised a lot of people um, that was there, I think they all expected at least one to two more quarterbacks to go in the first round. And so that was a hot topic of conversation. Um, and then the overall number one pick was, was a surprise to a lot of people. So it was, it was fun. It was a different atmosphere, but you can tell that those media, they're just as big of football fans as everybody. Yeah, Nathan,
1: I mean, I thought there was, before we get into the Seahawks stuff, because we're going to talk about that most of the the point. And by the way, we have some patron questions. We're going to get to patron questions as well a little bit later. But there were some really interesting. It felt like seismic shifts with the NFL over this draft that started coming up. One of them was the value of receivers and mm-hmm. whether they were traded as veterans. You know, Holly. You know, Hollywood Brown or or AJ Brown. Um, the where the receivers were getting drafted and how many were t- getting taken early. Uh, I also thought that. Um seeing where where quarterbacks went to me felt interesting. Like even though we we had varying opinions of the quality of these quarterbacks, I don't know if anybody really felt they were so bad that there would be like one quarterback taken in the first two rounds, was it like something? I mean it was
2: yeah, it wasn't until Ritter and what late third, right? Until he finally another one right. went
1: so like i i didn't go back and look but has there ever been a draft with so few quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds
2: i think the gino the gino smith draft right i have to look this up now i think that was the last one where so few went um but uh that was 2013 so it's been a minute um ej Manuel was the only one in 2013 or wait uh, well he went 16 and then uh, yeah, it wasn't again until Gino at 39. So even there, I mean, like, for one to go in the first two rounds is, right. is pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, and there was, there was another trend that, as soon as I said it, left my mind. And so um, I'll try to remember it. But um, it seemed a little surprising to me. Like, it, it seems like we're seeing, um, uh, for receivers at least, like, their their value – I was actually a little surprised. I mean, I think, I think they're maybe number two on the franchise tag value list already um, at this point, even above edge rushers and above, you know, offensive line and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's someone who I know values receivers. Uh, what's your take on that? Is this, is this metrics driven? Is it, is it contract driven? Like what is driving receiver value um, that we're seeing the, the spike in it?
2: I mean, I think the, first thing with this class is it was a good class um I think a lot of people expected probably roughly I think the two that were or the one that was really surprising with Jahan Dotson I think I, I didn't really see him get mocked in the first a lot I don't think I don't think he was creeping up into the 20s and stuff very often and then uh you know uh Burks is a guy, you know, he had the injury and everything, and but a lot of people really liked him. So for him to get up into the first is not surprising either, I guess. But for them to just all go between what eight and eighteen, and then to mix in an AJ Brown trade in the middle of that too was really interesting. Um, I think contracts have to be. I mean, that's definitely part of it, right? Teams are just they don't seem to know what to do at this point the the christian kirk signing happened and there was a lot of noise that people were people in the league were mad about that and that it messed stuff up and then you know the packers trade Devontae adams and aj brown's getting traded and we see a ton of receivers getting drafted and so i think this is this has to be at least in part a, a reaction to uh, just the amount of money that's getting dropped on receivers, and it'll be interesting because you know, uh, while I do think that receivers are, are really valuable, and I I would be happy to pay um DK the same contract that AJ Brown got, uh, like it, there's not a shortage of talent at receiver anymore. Um, so it, that's one of you the things. Be, I feel
1: like we've been talking. Sorry, to interrupt. I feel like yeah. we've been talking about strong receiver classes
2: for years. Every
1: draft <laughs> yeah, for, for the yeah. last three or four years, like, and there's <laughs> been. A bunch coming out. And I mean, look, AJ Brown was just traded to the Eagles. I love Devonta Smith. Like, I think that pairing, like that's a no, not as many people. I think fantasy people probably talk about him, but I think those are two really, really strong receivers. Still not sure they've got the guy to throw to them yet, but I mean, I guess we'll find out. Um, so
3: can I can I just point yeah, out absolutely. there was a whole segment today, um, I was listening to Sirius XM NFL radio and and um, there was a whole they did a whole entire segment on just this today, that what has happened is that the college level of ball is this was their opinions, that has is starting to get played in so much of an NFL type system. These wide receivers are coming out as what receivers that used to take two to three years to get to. They are already coming out and they're coming out so strong. And now watching how much they're going to have to pay these quarterbacks and some of these defensive players who are getting these huge contracts, they're willing, some teams, certain teams are willing to hedge their bet on a wide receiver if they have a strong quarterback, because these guys are already coming out so ready. And so where good wide receiver contracts are coming out of what, 25 million right now, they expect it to be 30, even more. Those guys aren't going to find those contracts because teams are going to start being, Like, thank you for your service after four to five years and off you go, you know, because they don't want to have to spend the money. They have to allocate those money, that money to different spots, or they're gonna do it for one wide receiver, not two, that sort of thing. And so that that's there's certain teams, and there's definitely two schools of thought. I mean, we have the old school way of you build your team through the draft. You have other ones who are all about, you know, they're gonna Yankee a team and they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, go buy it and and with their free agency. But for those teams who are more about um, you know, having to save for bigger name players, that they're going to go ahead and do that through the draft, especially in the wide receiver position.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious, the other news that came out um, is today, DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended for six games. Do you think that the Cardinals made the trade that they did in part because they knew that news was coming? um do you think that's was a shock to them what, what's your take on that Dana Start with
3: I, it wouldn't surprise me if they knew that I mean they had to have known that something was going on there especially since Hopkins already had an appeal ready and then decided to drop it so the conversations had already been had at that point you would have to think they knew already
1: by the way answering my own question oh sorry Nathan you look like you're about to say something no go for it uh, the last, So there was one quarterback this year taken in the first two rounds, um, Kenny Pickett at number 20. Uh, the last time in the draft that only one quarterback was taken in the first two rounds was the year 2000. Um, that was Chad Pennington taken at the 18th pick overall. And that's that's nuts. I mean, last year alone, there were six quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds and the, the year first before three that minutes. there were there were five and the year before that there were four and the year before that there were five I mean it's 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 a really stark difference um for for this year and and part of my grade for the Seahawks this year is I'm so happy that they did not reach for one of these quarterbacks early. And they absolutely could have, and I think a lot of folks expected them to. And I find it super weird that I'm seeing these draft grades coming out where people are criticizing the team for not taking a quarterback. Like, uh, and Nathan, I'll start with you because I know you were a big proponent of taking a quarterback. I actually was a proponent of them taking a quarterback sometime in the draft, That's that's fine but I'm not critical of them based on the players they got as someone who was really hoping that they take one of these quarterbacks. Are you finding yourself like critical of the draft because they didn't, or what's your thought process there?
2: I mean, I, the only way that I'm critical of them for it is because they did take Walker and that one, if you're going to do that, I would have definitely rather taken a quarterback and we can get into like all that later, I think. Um, but no, I mean, so we talked about this in the, uh, you know, when we did the offensive prospects um, and we talked about Ritter or Willis at nine. And I, you know, Jeff asked, you know, would you be happy with that? And it's like, yes, I guess. (laughs) Like I do want them to get a quarterback. I do like Ritter and Willis, but you know, obviously that, that was steep. But the reason that I I would have been okay with it is just because quarterbacks get pushed up the board. Um, And so that's really like, I mean, time will tell on this. It's going to be really interesting to watch those two guys and see if, if I just completely whiffed, which, you know, uh, certainly looks to be the case at this point with them falling so far, or, you know, did, did the, was it just a really stacked draft? And so these guys just get pushed down. Is this a change in approach of NFL teams where they're just not going to reach? Because, you know, I, I I've mentioned this a couple times, right? When you look at a league that drafts like Trubisky 2 and Daniel Jones 6 and um, uh, Jordan Love and what, the early 20s, right? How do these guys not get drafted? Well, the flip side of that is that's not like the most exciting group of quarterbacks that I just rattled off there. Those guys probably shouldn't have gone where they did. So... Has the NFL learned something? I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how this all shakes out. But uh, the short answer to your question is no. I mean, I wasn't mad about it. You know, uh, at the time, you know, especially with the Walker pick, I was pretty upset about them not taking one at 41. But then they just keep falling. And they were all there, I think, for the Lucas pick. And so, you know, at that point, it was like, well, hell, they're all still on the board. Like, you could probably go another round. Turns out they really couldn't. But, like, at that point, whatever. I mean, you know, the draft was pretty exciting by then. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dana, what about you? I mean, you know where the Seahawks are in their evolution. Uh, you know the quality or lack of quality that Seahawks have at quarterback right now. Do you think it was a mistake for them not to to pick a quarterback in the draft this year?
3: I don't. And, and the reason, and that, and that opinion changed over the last few weeks before the draft for me. As, as I was reading more draft guides, as I was reading more into this um, in preparation, I, I really started to get the sense that it, this quarterback, you know, oh, Willis isn't so bad. And this one is, was more media driven because they're so used to talking about quarterbacks. Quarterbacks get so much shine, but it, I think that it was pretty obvious after their first, probably what four picks that we could see what Seattle was doing. Seattle was, was, was basically recreating, recreating 2011. They are trying to get as many holes, whether and we'll argue about Walker later, but as many holes filled as they possibly can to get them set so that then maybe they can package some of those picks from next year to move up to get a quarterback. And the quarterback, I, I think that they dropped because people have this huge faith in this next quarterback class. They have the, There's a lot of hype surrounding the next um, bunch of quarterbacks. And so knowing that you can fill these holes that they did, with the caliber of players we have to remember you guys this is one of the biggest drafts in like either forever or like decades common era whatever it is for the sheer number of people in the draft just because of the covid year and so there were so many players available it was so deep even the undrafted free agents was deep like they were so like, there's a lot of hype around all these positional players that i think the quarterbacks just got outshined in that and, and I just really get the feeling that Seattle is like, wait, we have to do this the way we used to do this. And so that's the feeling I get anyway.
2: Um, something interesting you said there about it being media mm-hmm. driven and, and that's probably fair to some degree, mm-hmm. but the really interesting thing is, you know, there were a lot of, there was a lot of sourced information that teams fair. were interested mm-hmm. in quarterbacks in the twenties, right? Like uh, early, early in the process, it was rumored that John loved Malik Willis. And then later on, you know, I think Pauline and some other people that are trusted that are usually good people were like, okay, sure. hey, Seattle is looking at trading back up into the 20s. They like Ritter. That's that's a possibility. Right. Um, and, and this stuff was going on for other teams, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Carolina and Cody, uh, not Cody Pickett, um, uh, Kenny Pickett. Um, uh, so so it's really interesting that I mean, clearly teams were were lying their asses off, which is what they do. But then nobody took the bait, I mean, other than maybe Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. <laughs> because oh, Pittsburgh. they just, they just those quarterbacks, they just went into absolute free fall for them to like, w- when I knew that my, my, I was in trouble with my quarterback evaluations and where those guys might go was right off the bat in the second round. Like when nobody traded up into those first few picks, it was like, this is going to be bad for these guys because... Wow. There's no, no. And yeah. And then boom, they, they fell forever.
1: That's I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give John Schneider credit here and it may or may not be due, but I I actually believe all those people you mentioned, Nathan probably were going off of good information. Mm -hmm. And the reason it was getting out there is because Schneider was trying to create some sort of urgency for anyone that had an interest in a quarterback. To be willing to pay a price to trade into one of their picks or to jump yep. in front of them and draft a quarterback because they knew they didn't want one so it would push down a player that they liked. yep. And if they did do that, it would be great and super wise um, and savvy. And you know it, to your point, it didn't really end up working because <laughs> nobody they couldn't trade back. they they wanted to. And they couldn't do it. And it's because I don't think anyone really, I don't know if anyone didn't believe that Seattle wanted a quarterback. I think people probably believe that they did. I just don't think they wanted those quarterbacks. And without that, I think a lot of people looked at this draft from rounds two to rounds, basically four, the second and third round and said, put these guys in a bag and they're all kind of similar talent wise. Like there's not a huge drop off from the first pick of the second round to the last pick of the third round. I'm not going to pay a big premium. Um, and that seemed to bear itself out. There was not a lot of trade-ups where you were like, wow, that team just paid a premium to, to move up. That just didn't happen much you know, throughout this draft almost. So,
3: Isn't it funny? Much- this draft felt logical, didn't it? Like not just for Seattle, but for a lot of teams. Like it was very methodical and logical for a lot of teams. There's a couple of teams that you're always like, what the hell, but the Patriots made up the for Patriots, all the you. crazy. Oh they, they did all <laughs> the
2: crazy on their own.
1: And the Packers kind of like, we're did uh, a little yeah. bit of like,
3: what? Absolutely. But I just found it so interesting. And I have to say, and I know this is Seahawks show, but I have to say, Oh my God, I said it a couple years ago. If you give Robert Sala a little time, he's going to build a monster of a team in those jets. Oh, every single time I interviewed one of those jets players, because there were three of them that just kept coming. It was all they were so hyped to go play in New York. And how many people actually wanted to play for the Jets? Well, they do now. And I, I love that. And I know that's not what this show is about, but I just, oh, my God. Jets energy was huge.
1: I think the Jets and the Giants definitely did really well. Yeah, it was great. the Eagles did really well. Um, mm-hmm. There's a number of teams that came away some some pretty impressive mm-hmm. talent. Um, I'm curious. What was your favorite pick for the Seahawks? uh in this draft Dana I'm going to start with you on that one
3: um I think cross is the easy one to say and then um after meeting him it's real hard not to like him oh my god he is straight up country Mississippi and I just want to take him home with me like I he was adorable um but I think if I had to look I, I think I really like the woolen pick I like the two cornerbacks oh you guys know I like defensive, right? so you know I pick a defensive player but um I, I like that. I like the feel of them. They feel very sea hockey. I was heartbroken about my Montana state linebacker he's yeah. going to stupid Falcons. I was so heartbroken about that, but, but I, I liked those cornerback picks in the middle. They were, they were good. Kobe Bryant. I don't know how we're going to say that and not laugh every time, but yeah, I think that it'll be, I, I liked those two, but cross he's a character. He's, he's a lot of fun.
1: We've made it through Michael Jackson and fair
3: enough, and Mike Tyson
1: <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll handle it. Uh, Nathan, how about you? Favorite pick of the Seahawks in this draft?
2: Yeah, those two might be my, my same answer, Cross and, and Woolen. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, Bo Melton is kind of sneaky, interesting, but I mean, I'm not going to pretend like he was my favorite pick or anything. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah.
1: I mean, how fortunate are we that the Falcons decided to take Drake London? Like, if they, if they go Charles Cross, Yeah. how different does this draft feel?
2: that's another like you 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 start doing the what ifs and the multiverse and all that and like okay at that point does seattle start trading back and i
1: think they do well i think they, think they,
2: think they absolutely do. start to trade back and like does does that change anything with the quarterbacks like uh, again yeah i don't know uh who who knows how that that ends up playing out
1: yeah yeah uh for me My favorite pick is not necessarily my favorite player in the draft, but it was the one that generated the most excitement for me when they announced it was Abe Lucas. Like I have pounded the table for years that the Seahawks should double dip in strong position groups in the draft, that they should double dip on the offensive line. And that, you know, that the offensive and defensive lines are where you need to build the talent to spend your early picks there Mm -hmm. and so that choice it kind of shocked me because it was so good it was like it was so the right choice for that moment and the other part that I really liked about it was that that's one of those picks where if that pans out it has the potential to just be foundational for the Seahawks Mm -hmm. for years and And beyond that, you did take two tackles and tackles super valuable. And if one of them works out and one of them doesn't, now at least you've taken two bites at the apple. So like there's a really, really good chance, I think, that at least one of those guys ends up being a long-term starter for you. And so I like coming out of this draft with that as a potential so much more than We got our one tackle. Let's hope he's good. And and, and then we're going to roll our dice with whoever else we can put at the the other spot. I don't think I've ever been able to cheer for a Seahawks team that has had two rookie tackles of that quality um, ever. I I don't think that there's ever been a time. And so I just, for me, that sent me over the moon. Like I was like, okay, you guys can do whatever you want the rest of the draft. I'm pretty happy. uh, and then I also I just Lucas is a player I think the guy's six seven like his and he looks and he's three twenty now he looks like he could add twenty pounds and you wouldn't notice like he looks like he could end up being just a massive mountain of a man and and anyway I get I get pretty excited about that so. Uh, that was my favorite pick. Jeff Simmons, the real at Real the Real Jeff Simmons is here with us. Happy to see you, dude. Thanks for joining. Uh how was how was your draft coverage this weekend?
4: Um it, there was a lot going on. I, I did some stuff for uh, FanDuel in Canada and I, I was doing a lot of betting stuff. And, and then on day two, I got to finally focus just on the Seahawks and day three. So it was just it was really fun weekend. I I hit on some crazy. Bets, which was really fun. I actually picked Stingley to go to Houston, and that paid off pretty huge. And then I had Drake London going number eight overall. I don't know how I pulled that one off, but other than that, like it was the most fun from a Seahawks standpoint weekend I've had. One of the things that just bothered me about this team, that they, I'm a big NFL draft fan, draft fan. It's like one of the reasons I like football so much. I just find the whole thing very fun. And Schneider and Carroll have just like sucked the life out of me the last like seven or eight years. And, and then that Kenneth Walker pick comes up and I was just like so deflated. But like you, you just, I don't know what I'm coming up that the whole weekend just came out really, really well for them. And I wrote an article for us on Thursday, just talking about all the things that they've done wrong in the past. It's a long list of things we've all covered for years. And they didn't really do any of it. And just to see them kind of build a team properly and acknowledge sort of where they are as a team. And I think the draft sort of, they kind of got lucky in some areas, but they were able to pivot really well. And I don't know if that what happened ended up being their was their initial plan, but all of a sudden you can see a path for this team now that just wasn't there a week ago. And the, the team looked pretty like they had one of the least interesting rosters in the league in terms of like young players. They didn't have any long-term pieces on the offensive line, maybe Haynes, but like maybe Lewis, but they just kind of looked directionless. And To me, what I really wanted to see them come into this draft was was one of two things. It was either rebuild the defense with core players, because we've talked about how little there is there, or to rebuild the offensive line. And to come out with two pieces, both tackles, to me was really interesting. I was kind of hoping a center would come out. Yes. i I said it in March. I don't want to spend months hoping for center. I I fell for it again. I fell for it again. There's that guy who went to the Eagles who I really won. But to come out with two offensive line pieces really sets up this rebuild and it makes this whole thing a clean transition year. And if they screwed up this draft or they kind of were all over the place, it would have been really hard to get excited about where things were going. People still might feel this way because of how bleak their quarterback situation looks. But I think the way everything fell, all of a sudden, like their offensive outlook – looks really favorable if now you have two long-term offensive linemen you have the receivers you have Noah Fant Kenneth Walker all of a sudden you drop a rookie quarterback in there it's totally changed there they look really bleak but so Sorry.
1: Charles Riley I've got to read this out Charles is one of our biggest supporters uh in the YouTube chat uh Thank you for the donation, the super chat. Uh, Charles, Charles says Canada Jeff is here. By the way, Canadians don't only sleep well, but I hear both men and women of Canadian privilege are passionate lovers. Probably the sleep. I will not ask you to confirm or deny that Jeff, but I think that's a wonderful comment. Thank you for adding that to the the chat, Charles, and thank you for the super chat. You know, Jeff, you mentioned about the the, the kind of the transition year, and and we were, before you joined, joined the show, we were talking about how how odd it is that some of these draft analysts are saying like they're grading the team down for not drafting a quarterback and there's been fans that are like why didn't we hit take a quarterback and i kind of i tweeted this out but i kind of like it i think a lot of those people might be folks that have never be, been outside of a relationship like they're not okay being single <laughs> like i i feel like this is a situation where the seahawks are you know they're they're bachelor or bacheloretting for you know a year and, you know, maybe they hit on something with one of these guys they got. I hope that they don't really believe that because, I mean, that's that's pretty, like, lottery-level odds that that's going to happen. And they put all of their resources into positions that they did have needs in as well. And that even if they got a quarterback, but they didn't get offensive line or they didn't get corner or they didn't get, you know uh Running back, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, you know, I think there would have been griping about that. So I, I agree with you on the transition year. And and just as you were joining, we're asking everybody uh, what their favorite pick was. So I, I do want to ask you the same question: What was your favorite Seahawks pick of the draft?
4: I think it was Lucas because of just the context of it. I went for being like I'm probably a little higher on Boya Mafe than some of the Seahawks Twitter. And he's actually a guy I wrote on. Friday, like if you can see my tweet, like you see, I put a list of names out there and he was on there. But the Walker pick just made me feel like the bad Seahawks drafts are back. And I was pretty down. We were all talking to each other. We were all pretty down. And again, there's nothing wrong with Walker. So to go from like zero to a hundred, the Lucas pick was someone who I would have been totally comfortable with at pick 41. So I think that just like the, the reset of emotions and how it's really sets the table getting two tackles, I think it would have to be Lucas, just because of how I felt and how I really think it just resets the whole program. But really, I I think there's a good case for cross because I don't know how you guys felt when that pick came, but I was just expecting Trevor Penning the whole time. (laughs) That would have been so, I would have been totally possible and or Jermaine Johnson. And when they said the name, I usually have like a reaction. I literally froze. (laughs) i was so stunned that they actually picked a normal person like i didn't know whether to be excited whether to be upset i i froze so i think one of those two i think would be my pick yeah i think those are good i mean i think there's we'll talk about
1: the the corners in a little bit because i think there's a lot of excitement about those guys as well um but i want to ask a question and this is not meant to start the uh ragging on the, the the running back pick but Dana, I'm gonna ask you, because I know that I already know the answer for them. What was your least favorite pick? Um, doesn't mean that you think it was a terrible pick, but of the Seahawks pick, what was the one that you were least excited about?
3: It wasn't Kenneth Walker, but that's an older conversation. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't. What I'm was your sorry. Least favorite pick? I, I I don't know. Um uh maybe the linebacker out of Ohio State Smith, was that it? Yeah.
1: That's a that's an interesting he's not. Yeah, it's okay. I
3: I mean. I didn't really dislike any of them, which is so surprising, right? We're so used to being disappointed. Um, I, I wasn't really disappointed in any of them. I was more disappointed in players maybe that they didn't get, obviously, but um, but I, I, I was totally fine with, with all of the picks we're going to talk about this running back and I have a whole spiel to give you guys about this, but it's not mean. I swear. I won't be mean to anybody, but, um, but I didn't, I wasn't disappointed in any of these picks at all. I, I think that there was a place for all of them. There was probably a good reason for all of them. Um, some stronger than others, but I, I just, I wasn't upset by any of them. In any well, way. You
1: know, I, I think that's fair. And, and I, the reason I'll say I'll the reason I asked, but I yeah, also yeah. agree, like I was probably least excited about the Tyreek Smith pick yeah like, I, I um, just don't know
3: anything about him I was I looked him up and I, I looked at the draft guide that I had and I was like hmm, okay you know yeah, what I mean like there wasn't anything
1: seems like a not a high ceiling guy so I mean I, I whatever like that even though I had problems strategically with the Kenneth Walker pick mm-hmm. I was not I'm excited about the guy I'm excited about watching him play mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the point I was going to make is
4: mm-hmm.
1: even for I think folks that disagree with the strategy of picking a a running back not just at that point but also at this time in the roster building and with the the various holes that they had and all those things I don't think I've read many people that are like yeah he's going to be a shitty player like Mm -hmm. and I'm not looking forward to watching him play um Nathan speak up if you feel differently you'd probably be the most likely to feel that way but I don't get that impression from you either so Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, even as much debate as there's been about that pick and whether that's the right way to go or not, I don't know that anyone's like, yeah, that's a a bad player, which.
3: Right. Well, I was sitting there when that pick happened and I was in our chat and I'm reading your guys' despair in the moment. Like there was a complete meltdown and I was just like. Wait, How many
1: fucks did Derek oh, say? Oh,
3: I don't even know. It was, it was just, <laughs> I'm like reading this and I'm laughing out loud. And a couple of the gentlemen that were across from me, um, they were like, what? And I said, oh, well, this podcast yeah. I do is a Seahawks podcast and they are not happy. They're like, why? And I told you guys that. They were like talking me into this kid. he's like, he's the best running back in the draft. You guys picked him. I guarantee you it's because they heard someone else was going to grab him. That's probably the only reason why they did it. Like they, I had probably five or six people around me Telling me you guys were crazy for being upset, and granted, they're not Seahawks fans; they don't have the history. We get it, right? But at the same time, I it got me so jacked for him to be. I cannot wait to watch him play. Um, I think that if we even get a hint of the penny we got at the last year, and we have him too, I, we all agree we don't think Chris Carson will be back. I think that 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 it's going to be really exciting. And yes, running backs matter, Nathan, and I know you don't think they, they do, but they're going to really matter if we have Drew Lock. Or Geno Smith under center. I think they're going to really matter. So,
1: well, I mean, Rashad Penny was outperforming a significant percentage of quarterbacks in
3: (laughs) last
1: year. Like he was, he one of the most valuable offensive players around during that stretch. So. In that case even folks like nathan would acknowledge that they matter but only when they're performing uh to, to some pretty astounding levels
3: i don't think he would i just kidding i'm just kidding, nathan. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean nathan i'm gonna go to you on this see if you have things to say um uh jeff feel free to join in as well i'm not gonna go more too deep on the, the kenneth walker thing i will just let everybody know like you're not you're not really breaking news to tell us that Chris Carson is short for the like we talked about that months ago we talked about when Rashad Penny signed and Rashad Penny was like I can't wait to be in the room with Chris Carson we're gonna have the best and we're like dude I don't think that's gonna actually happen so like this is not news you're not informing us it's also not news that Kenneth Walker's really good or that you know, a lot of running backs that have been some of the best running backs in the NFL were taken in the second round in this time frame. Like, none of that's news. And um, I think it's all totally fine that we see this differently. Um, uh, There's been literally no information that's come out that changes my perspective on whether it's the right risk to take that player at that moment. Um, What does Help me feel better is that I do really like some of the ways they were able to address other positions later. It makes me feel better. That doesn't change my opinion on whether it was right to take the risk on not getting a better corner or an offensive tackle or something else um, at 41. Like that, that will never change. I just, I, I fundamentally don't believe that that's the position that you prioritize. And I would be totally fine if they totally gambled on that position. This year. And guess what? If they addressed those other positions this year and then they went back next year in the second round and drafted a running back, I probably would feel better about it because I'd feel like the rest of the roster had been assembled and I can handle that. That's me. I know there's other people that'd be like, never, never, never. I'm not a never, but I'm like a not this year, not that that moment. So that's kind of where I am on it. But I've I have moderated a little bit because I got to see the rest of the draft, but that's kind of where I am. Nathan, anything you'd want to add, given the, the fun conversations everyone's been having on this topic?
2: No, I think that's pretty much it. The, the one thing I would uh, add is, uh, if you see somebody with like 150 replies to a comment, maybe read like fucking three of them before you scream the exact same thing that the previous 150 people have, <laughs> have already said, that would be awesome. But uh, no, otherwise, I think you covered it.
1: Yeah. Jeff, anything else you wanted to add there before we we
4: move on?
0: No, I, I think this
4: argument just the base going on. Oh, yeah. okay. there's no changing in anyone's opinion. There's I, no real. I'm I'm kind of sick of it. Like, I I think the data is pretty clear, but I get why people at the same time feel so strongly. Second round's kind of been a sweet spot for running backs, but I just don't think anyone's opinions are going to change on this and. I'm Brian, I'm closer to you. I'm more about like the context of the roster. And that's sort of bothered me. The whole thing about is all about opportunity cost. And if they pass, say they lose out at Abe Lucas or Ojabo or another pass rusher, just to get a better running. And to me, that would have been really detrimental, but I don't, I'm not really passionate about this either way. Like I'm kind of sick of argument. But
3: I think it's really important. I I think it's really, really, really important that everyone listening and everyone understands none of your guys' opinions have anything to do with the player. It's just where they took him. Everyone is very excited to have him on board because I was reading some of your guys' replies and comments. I didn't get quite the same, but, um, and it's like this, this isn't about the player. We know he's fantastic. We're very excited to have him on team. It was just placement. And that is strictly a philosophical thing. That is just where you sit on it. And so I, people just need to relax about the whole thing (laughs) Some wound up people out there. Just calm down. We're going to
1: take patron questions here in a second. I do want to just say, um, you know, to take a moment to see, like, forget where he's drafted. After adding this guy to the roster, I think that there's a lot of potential for, I mean, one, I don't think Carson's going to play. Two, I think that this guy seems like somebody who's going to have, uh, hopefully, a better chance at durability. Just his body type, I think, um, hopefully will last. And I think that, uh with no one on the roster under contract um beyond this year if this means the seahawks aren't going to be spending a high draft capital on that position again for a while then you know uh so be it so be it so like um yeah i i'm looking forward to having as many good offensive players as possible um
2: and uh i'll leave it at that we'll Nathan, say you know something? uh um yeah that uh, you know in terms of changing my mind right i agree nothing like nothing that we yell about right now is going to change my mind we've been having this discussion since 2017 um but there is an opportunity here for seattle to add a data point in favor of running and running backs mattering potentially you know if they can recreate that really amazing rushing offense that they had at the end of last year where yeah penny was performing like at Aaron Rodgers level <laughs> you know I don't know how much it's gonna say about whether running backs specifically matter especially if you have you know penny already doing it w- what does it mean for Walker? Um but it's gonna be really interesting to see what what can they get out of this rushing attack. You know, right now it looks like they're gonna have Drew Locke or Geno Smith starting. What does the offense look like at the end of the year, right? can can penny and kenneth walker and the tackles and you know all that can they take this to a top 10 offense Mm. with drew lock or or geno smith back there i mean probably i mean it seems absurd right but that's partly why i hate the pick so much uh but i mean if they can do it you know then awesome we have something new to talk about right so um I, i think there is opportunity to to learn from this and we'll We'll see if people are open to changing their priors, but maybe maybe there will be evidence for people to change their priors.
1: Well, sorry, I know you're gonna go Patreon, but, but the one thing I'll add is uh our last pick, our final pick, uh Derek. Derek Young. Is it yeah? Uh he's like a wing T guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they they might be going like heavy run. I mean, who knows? Um <laughs> <laughs> they we've talked about the DS Eskridge being the um, jet sweep kind of player that m- mostly didn't pan out. It'd be interesting if, if they brought in somebody to be like a bruising receiver back. Um, I wonder if the Debo Samuel experience last year has got some teams wondering more about what they
2: could do with receivers in the running game. Um, Bo Melton's a similar. Uh, he has that same type of skill set. So uh, he wasn't running in the, the wing T last year, but yeah, <laughs> yeah he can do some. All right.
1: Nice. Let's do some patron questions. Can you uh, take that on for us, Nathan?
2: Um. Yeah. So uh, Max uh, Breitbarth wants to know, who are some positions you expect Seattle to focus on in free agency? Which players? So um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's still a set of mostly older at this point, kind of, you know, plug-and-play vet guys one-year guys um and i think see i don't i don't know where they're at right now but seattle has a chunk of cap space so um do you see them doing anything um interesting with that uh jeff
4: not really um one of the positions were like not drafted maybe like inside linebacker and they could add a some competition there but pete seemed to be pretty high on cody Barton. but looking around like the groups are pretty rounded out like the pass rush is pretty clear who those guys are. Corners are pretty deep. Brian went through the whole list on Twitter. There's a lot of bodies there. Offensive tackle, I don't see them. Those four are pretty locked in right now. Center's pretty locked in. I don't really see much. Like, I- I'm going to say no.
2: Brian or Dana, is there anybody out there that you think Seattle would be honing in on? I'm
4: taking a quick look
1: at who's available. I think inside linebacker would make sense. Um,
3: I don't think that, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to do anything till camp. I think maybe if they get to camp or rookie camp and they see that maybe one of these kids isn't what they thought, or maybe then they have go after someone, but they seem, the overall theme of this offseason was we're getting younger, right? And so I don't see them going out maybe and cherry, cherry picking someone, but if they do, maybe it'll be closer to camp.
1: You know, one name that might be interesting is Anthony Barr, um, I was surprised that he's actually still available. He's got a little pass rush to him. He's a vet and um, could play some of that linebacker spot. So,
3: I do hear every once in a while someone will bring up the fact that they might bring Carlos Dunlap back.
4: Probably not. It's really weird. Yeah.
3: I know it would be weird, but I keep that keeps popping up on my Twitter. It's like, mm, is Carlos going to come back? Is Carlos going to come back? I mean, I love Carlos Dunlap. I would be okay with it, but it just doesn't seem logical at this point.
4: Yeah, I think, Carlos, there was chatter from some of the beat writers that John had mentioned at, like, the owners' meetings.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: my read was it was more of a hedge if the draft went away from them at pass rush. Could but be. they just they – they have a type now, and you can see based on the body type of what they want their 3-4 outside linebacker to be. And the problem with Dunlap is he doesn't – he's basically a nickel-only player on Seattle now. And if you bring him in, you're blocking some of the younger guys, which right. is – Right,
3: right. I'll, if it, Maybe if injury happens or something. Yeah, like, if injury yeah. happens, but yeah, that's, that's why I think it'll be camp. I think it'll be camp if they do anything.
4: Yeah, well, their first round pick seems to get injured every single year, so maybe <laughs> them, so. Uh, all right, I'll Braxton wants to,
2: <laughs> Braxton wants to know uh, which uh, undrafted free agent do you think has the best chance to make the fifty-three man roster? Oh. Mm. Uh I can I can read off some names here. Um it's not the most exciting, exciting group, I don't feel like. Uh some there's they got a defensive end out of Framingham State. Uh <laughs> Josh, uh I'm gonna butcher the last name, Onu jiogu Um they got the two quarterbacks, Levi Lewis, who is uh like a full inch shorter than Rush Ruth. Uh so that's interesting. Um, they they added several safeties. I'm I'm guessing that's mostly about special teams. Um, I think my answer here would probably be Deontay Williams, who's one of the safeties. They had him on a top 30 visit, I believe. So it seems like they see something in him. Um, yeah, a lot of safeties, four safeties. Um, yeah, I don't know, Any, uh, Jeff.
4: Maybe the quarterback. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> shoot shoot
3: I, me god
4: Dana, you you're you really hate small quarterbacks
3: i do now i want something different listen i love russ <laughs> russ I, I get it but if we're gonna get rid of russ i want something different i want someone who's six four i want some height i want i just don't want another russ retread i want something totally different I, I will say this though in answer to that question so i was reading through the list and i was looking them up in my draft grad that i had and that safety joey blunt um Blount, Blount, that um from virginia so i guess he's a little injury prone, but i guess he's a beast which is why he gets hurt all the time um and in my draft guide that i was reading from emory hunt he was like if he can keep it together this kid will be a monster so he might be someone who <laughs> if he cannot be injured
1: i'm gonna go with shamorius gilmore the guard from georgia state uh guy put up like 36 reps of uh, bench press big dude and uh yeah, I think they have some, some opportunity to add some more youth there.
2: Yeah, Blunt, uh, no joke on the combine or probably Pro Day frame, but 4'3", um, 38-inch vertical, 127-inch broad, 20 reps. So something interesting there for sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, okay. Um, uh, the, Brian, this one's for you. Um, Jen wants to know, do you think this was John, a John-driven dri- draft that's hard to say Uh, yeah or uh with Pete's uh playing second fiddle I have I've I've kind of seen talk of this that at the very least there was something different about how the team approached the draft and I don't know if that's just stemming from people guessing because they like drafted just right off of PFF's big board or or what but do you do you see anything to that
1: I don't I I don't I don't even get a hint of that, to be honest. I think what I've talked about, and I believe is the bigger influence change is who the coaches are. And, um, you know, John and Pete even talked about that in the presser. And if people listen, you'll hear them. we been talking about that for years. And the scouts scout for what the coaches are looking for. They work hand in hand. And this was the first year for Andy Dickerson as the offensive line coach. He picked offensive linemen like John's been here the whole time I don't think he was the one necessarily saying I want wrestling defensive linemen to be our guards like Jr. Sweezy like I think that was Tom Cable and I think Mike Solari like big maulers like DJ Fluker and stuff like that and the fact that Andy Dickerson like it's his first year and the two tackles they picked are both at least reputationally better pass protectors than run blockers that is massively different than what the seahawks have done so i think that's more the offensive line coach and i think we've got two new secondary coaches um well i mean sean Desay is is you know the assistant head coach and 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 whatever but his background is in the secondary and then you've got carl scott who also had a lot of familiarity with um you know the sec and what was going on from a uh, defensive player perspective. So I think all of those things were the bigger change and and welcome at that.
2: Uh, all right. And then um uh so uh Amani Waddell wants you to pick the draft pick that makes the biggest impact as a rookie um and the draft pick that makes the biggest impact in their third year. Dana, do you have any opinions on this one?
3: Yeah. Um, I think it's got to be one of the tackles probably would make the biggest influence right away. I mean, right, I, I, either Cross or, or Lucas. Um, I, I would think just with the line and the way that it is and not having Dwayne Brown back, I think that that's kind of the obvious one. Um I, you can I say. I mean it. to it's say, okay if you I, want to I, say I, it I lean I mean to say cornerback <laughs> did you know I love those cornerbacks so much mm. um the cornerbacks but I, I it it could be the cornerback it could very well be Walker I mean it could be I
4: a, I, I think Van I think, is I think yeah. it's definitely Walker I mean, yeah I think three years out it's crossed by a mile but I think there's going to be a pretty big learning curve for two tackles really yeah I okay. no shame in that and I think that really fits where the team is yeah. and I think that's sort of why the whole thing kind of fits together so well and i think walker is pretty much he can hit the ground running
3: maybe. right <laughs> <laughs> one,
4: okay uh, yeah i mean
1: i i'm i am ready for the droves of people to come trying to dunk on us and other people on twitter when walker plays well we told you he was good see how great he is and it's like find the point where we
4: said he wasn't going to be good yeah Um, all those all those playoff wins for Dalvin Cook and John Taylor (laughs) don't start start.
1: okay sure yeah yeah I think I think it's Walker hands down
2: yeah yeah I mean I would caveat like what impact you're talking about but I think in terms of like who is going to be the most impressive and who's going to put up like stats yeah it's just Walker I think um so there's a lot of questions here uh, about quarterback next year. Um, and so I think the first thing – so there's there's at least two guys that are really interesting. I think the the standard thought is CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are the two most interesting, and some people seem to like we'll leave us quite a bit. Um, uh, for, so I guess the first question is, Jeff, do you think uh, Seattle will be picking in the top – Three next year, and we'll just have a natural pick that they can take one of these guys at.
4: I do not. I do not. I don't think they're bad enough. There are some really, really bad rosters in Houston and Atlanta, and they're they're basically expansion rosters. So Seattle doesn't have. It's pro, Seattle has one of the worst quarterback situations in the league, but there's some infrastructure just to be competitive, and we've seen Pete be competitive with like inferior rosters. So I, I do not. I think having that second first round pick. I think if they want one of those top three picks, they're going to have to move in there.
2: All right. And then Brian, what do you think, if you had to just guess today, like how many wins do you think Seattle gets next year?
1: I've been on like
2: seven, most of the off season. I
1: kind of think of seven as the floor for Pete Carroll teams. Um, I think he is a good enough coach and a good enough motivator to, to always at least be in the middle of the pack um i i think the variability is is going to be based off of these rookies and yeah, yeah. so i mean a question we'll get to if it doesn't get asked by the patrons is how many of these guys are going to start and you know if both those tackles start and one of the corners starts and you know i don't know like if the pass rush comes around then I think there's a chance this could end up being a top 10 defense. I don't think that that's out of the question. They were top five in scoring defense last year, were close to it, right? Um, without a pass rush. So I think if you have a, a really good defense and then you manage to have a good running game, I think you can win seven to 10 games.
2: So, Dana, so. Seven wins. That's what the Falcons had uh, last year that got them the eighth pick in the draft. Would you want Seattle to try to trade up from eight into the top three? And what would you guess that would cost them to do that if they were targeting one of these quarterbacks? I I think
3: they'll have to. I I think I don't think there's a question. I think the fact that they have the two first round picks just equals a top five three to five pick like it has to right they're just going to package the two of them I think it'll probably cost them I don't know how many picks they have further down in the draft um I haven't looked I just finished yeah, one I haven't looking. Fancy yeah seconds. and I think that's what it'll take it'll take the two first and probably a second to move up uh, it might I mean it depends on who has them though right now how desperate those teams are yeah. um as we saw this year you know there was There was a lot of movement when they didn't expect there to be movement. And so we'll, we'll see kind of what happens there. I I have one thing to say about one, one thing though, and I'll come back to this, but one thing to say that Brian said, I was asking this question around uh, the draft um, to some of the other, um, to the beat writers and a couple of other people and the 49ers writer who I made friends with, who watches this show, by the way. Um, But um, I was just talking to all of them and they but the consensus is Geno Smith is going to start and they'll probably win seven to nine games. They think that Geno Smith is good enough to keep them moving forward. And with the defense, the way it is, they think, and, and looking at their competition next year, they, they think that they'll do well, um, well enough. Now they're not going to be a playoff team. We know that we get that. Right. But, but they think that, I think they're right about what, where Brian is at that, you know, seven to nine wins is, is totally possible and probable at that point
1: i've got to jump in for a second because i keep seeing this thing out there where people are like well no it's it's a plan pete and john have the reason that they're sticking with gino and drew is they don't want to win this year and they're trying to tank to get a quarterback
3: you met Pete carroll no i don't
1: like exactly there is no way in hell that is that that is their mindset like they're going to win as many games they're going to try to make the playoffs and they're going to love it. Like they are not at all thinking of that. I just don't believe that's at all. Do any of you guys think that they're intentionally trying to lose?
2: They wrung seven wins out of the corpse of Matt Hasselbeck and Tavares Jackson. Like they're they're Yeah. I, I was thinking there'd probably be six wins, but yeah, I mean, I, they're not going to just completely tank for sure. I don't think.
1: Yeah. I, I don't see that at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. So, so we're thinking though, that they will probably end up in a spot where they're trading two firsts and a second. Uh,
1: well, they might be having to trade more than that. I think the funny funny moments going to be all of us when we're like John Schneider and Pete Carroll, like, well, the price was too high. We wouldn't trade three first round picks for, you know, we trade two first round picks in a second for a safety, but we won't spend three to get a quarterback of the future. Like that will be the moment where it's like, are you shitting me? Like you've told us you don't give a crap about first round picks. And now you have a quarterback that could be like your future. You better spend, I don't care if it's three first round picks in two seconds. If he's a guy that you think is their franchise guy and your rest of the roster looks good, go get him,
4: go get him. Mm -hmm. We'll say, we'll say this from 12 to three for Trey Lance was two additional first round picks. So essentially three first round picks. Mm -hmm. And that was a quarterback that was, we didn't know much about. This draft coming up is supposed to be a little like last. You always want to say a little bit of a caveat, like Derek's done a good job of showing what happens when you look too far. Sam Howell was like the first overall pick at this time last year. He went in the fifth round. He was the fifth, first pick in the fifth round. But this draft apparently has five or six guys. So it might, it might not be having to move up for one of those two guys. Again, a lot depends on, as Derek makes the other point, my counterpoint is like at this time, two, three years ago, Joe Burrow was a fifth round pick and he emerged into the first overall pick. So if guys emerge, there's a lot that's going to change, but I think there's like the guy from Kentucky apparently is a guy that people think might be a top 10 player. There's a guy from Notre Dame, there's a guy from Miami. You don't know what's going to happen, so much changes. So they might not be in a situation where they have to move into the top two. Like if you look at last year's draft, for example, Mac Jones went 15. He was the fifth quarterback. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields went 11. So there are possibilities. This draft turns into the one last year. Justin Fields would have been the number one pick in the draft. hands down. He went 11 last year. So there might not be a possibility where you're forced into a trade like that, depending on. So for the Seahawks and their fans, this college season is super important. to See whether some of these guys emerge, whether someone comes out of nowhere, whether this Notre Dame or Miami guy, because those two top five picks, they're five-star players. It's hard to imagine them falling off. So. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. There. Well, how many first
1: round picks have the Seahawks ever spent on quarterbacks with Pete John, Pete and John?
4: Zero. Zero. How many second round
1: picks have they ever spent they on a quarterback?
2: Had, they and technically, it. Charlie Whitehurst, the value yeah. there worked out to a second, but.
1: Right. So the most they have ever spent on a quarterback in the Pete Carroll and John Schneider era is a third round pick. Yeah. But they might have
4: taken Mahomes.
1: Well, right. There's evidence that Josh Allen, Mahomes, Andy Dalton, like there was guys that they were rumored to to definitely be. John wanted maybe, John wanted to draft Andy Dalton. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Like that. But neither blocked. Mahomes yeah. or
2: Allen got within like 15 picks of them. So I <laughs>
4: no, Mahomes they was pretty close.
2: No, is Mahomes that the year went they were...
4: Mahomes went 11. They were like 24. But Josh oh, that... Allen, Josh Allen, there was the they were would have had to trade Russell to get Josh Allen. There was talk yeah. about that that's coming out of that weird 2017.
1: Okay, Nathan, we interrupted. Keep going if there's more questions.
2: Yeah, uh, I had a point in the. Oh, the one thing that I think people are not talking enough about, though, with next year is because no one took quarterbacks this year, there's going to be a lot of quarterback-needy teams. And so, you know, Detroit, Houston, um you know, maybe the Jets are done with Zach Wilson by then. Uh, The Giants are almost certainly done with Daniel Jones by then. Um, You know, we'll see what Atlanta ends up with, with Ritter. Um, So not only could the top three teams just not want to trade down because they want one of these quarterbacks that Seattle also wants, they're going to be competing with other teams who also want to move up too. So just to get back to the Walker hating, that was part of why even though like clearly quarterbacks continue to slide for a long time, part of why they were intriguing to me there instead of that Walker pick is because man, it's going to be at the very least, they're going to give up a lot of draft capital to go get a quarterback and he will not be a sure thing. I mean, none of these guys are right. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right. I think that that covers us for, uh, patreon questions
1: so then there's a couple other questions we got to cover because it it keeps coming up and since we're on the quarterback topic we should talk baker mayfield because it keeps coming up um and one let's just start with what do you guys expect daniel start with you do you think baker mayfield's going to stay on the browns do you think they're going to release him because it doesn't seem like there's a trade market at this point for him Um, if you had to pick between sticking with the Browns, that they'll just keep him or that they'll release him outright, what would be your, your guess of what happens?
3: Well, unfortunately that question can't be answered until we know if the NFL is going to discipline Deshaun Watson. And I would assume that that decision would come through prior to training camp. If they decide it's only going to be six games, don't get me started, six games then I think they cut him because no one's going to trade for him now. They were almost had the deal done with Carolina, right? Like we all know that, but the Browns were refusing to eat a significant part of that salary. So no one is going to trade from this point. So they have to cut him. The other option that they have is if Deshaun, if Watson's out for a whole year is to keep him on the roster. Will he then play? I don't know. That's, you know, wherever he's at, but what he would do would actually probably bolster his, Value for next year if he plays well this year after having been injured this entire season. So my guess right now is because I have absolutely no faith in the NFL brass. I think that they probably cut him during training camp.
1: Okay, so let's let's just take that and run with it for a second. Let's assume that they're going to cut him at some point. Mm-hmm. uh I would like to hear from each of you. Do you want the Seahawks to go get Baker Mayfield? If that's the case,
4: and Jeff, let's start with you on that one. Me, no. Uh, for me. My hope is that they're not very competitive this year. And I think Baker raises their ceiling and even raises their floor a little bit. Um, I'm okay with them just not being good this year and being developing players and seeing the big picture. To me, what makes me excited about the direction of the team is having to have this new direction with a rookie contract. And the upside of Baker to me is just, if he's good, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And then you're just in a spot that, you're kind of in no man's land, So to me, it doesn't really serve any of those purposes. I would rather just see what you have in walk. And if he sucks, then great. You're going to pick very high next year. Nathan, and let me, let me caveat
1: it a little bit for you because if your logic is you should be taking a shot at a quarterback and they didn't take one this year and a former number one overall pick is available for basically nothing, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want to take a shot?
2: Yeah. I mean, that was exactly what I was going to say. And, you know, talking about how great the next quarterback class is and how it might be really hard to get up there and get one. I really want them to tank, but like, we just talked about this, right there. I don't see a floor that's lower than like six or seven wins. So at that point, yeah, I think take a, take a shot. Like who knows, maybe, you know, I mean, Baker Mayfield is so polarizing, but, like, you, you kind of can't deny that he has played well. <clears throat> and for, like, uh, you know, he, he has at least one good season under his belt. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's impossible that this guy can't be anything. Um, Now, you, you don't get the rookie quarterback, you know, benefit and all that. But, yeah, I think you take a swing at it.
1: Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I I, I know Drew Locke isn't good. I, I, I know that people want to maybe... Th- Think that that's not kind, and how can you say that? I, I just, I'm as certain of that as I can be. <laughs> so I, I, I'm i not interested in even watching him play. I, I'd actually rather watch Geno Smith play than Drew Locke uh, for a few different reasons. But man, obviously, I've always wanted Gardner Minshew to be the guy. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But uh, if Baker's there, I'm right on the I'm right in the middle on this one. Like I could go I wouldn't be upset if they don't get him. But if they get him and he plays well and you can sign him for money and nothing other than money and you've already had your whole rookie class that you know you've got this year and then you got two firsts and two seconds next year and you don't have to spend any on quarterback because you actually think you've got your guy. I could talk myself into that being
2: could you okay. potentially get them a, a comp pick too next year?
1: If he signs somewhere else,
2: yeah. If he, you sign him for for a one year deal this year, he plays well. You let him walk. So that's him a deal- good point. Yeah. Sure. Else?
1: Sure. But that at, at that point, basically, you found a guy that's playing well, and you're like, "Bye, we're gonna go like roll the dice on a rookie."
2: Yeah, but what if he's you know, if he's good, not great, and now he wants. 30 million a year. Right. That kind of yeah. deal.
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, I guess what I'm kind of imagining is I don't think Baker Mayfield has a ceiling of like in his best, best world of being like a Patrick Mahomes or a Aaron Rodgers or any, like, I just don't think that's the kind of guy I think he's like, if everything goes well, I think he's the best game manager you can have and a, and a, a good team leader that guys rally behind. And I think he, that could be enough to win a Super Bowl. Like, could he be like a Matt Hasselback with maybe not – I think Matt Hasselback was probably a better quarterback, but could he be yeah. like a good functional quarterback in an offense? Yeah, I could, I could see that. Um, and if that means you're then going to have like an absolutely dominant game-wrecking offensive and defensive line and cornerbacks and receivers and other stuff, you know I could get behind it. I don't think it's a conventional way to go, but um it's funny. There's people are really like there are like some Baker believers out there. They're like, yeah, go get Baker, go get Baker. I'm like, there's a lot of weird implications a lot of weird people out there. there. There's a lot of weird <laughs> yeah. people. I should just said so that. But there's a lot of <laughs> weird implications. Like it's not to just point, it's not like great if he does play well, because maybe he won't play well enough. And then there's the money stuff. Like, it's
4: not a clear cut with him. And there was that weird report this week, like he, the Seahawks don't like him because he doesn't fit or something. When he pretty clearly fits, like that that one was weird. I didn't read that one. I didn't hear that one. That's it was odd. during the draft. Like Ian Rappard said, that the team didn't think he was a fit,
1: but mm-hmm. he's clearly a fit. So so that's that's enough on Baker. Uh, I want to I want to ask you guys. Which of the draft picks, we haven't talked about the cornerbacks much. I would like to talk about that a little bit. Um, Let's do that now. And then we'll finish by talking about uh, which of these picks do we think has a real chance to start this year? Um, So two cornerbacks, Kobe Bryant and uh, Tariq Woolen. uh, Different physical traits, different experiential traits. Uh, Which one are you more excited about? Which one do you believe in more? And there might be different answers to those two questions. Um, uh, Jeff, let me we'll start with you on this one.
4: I'd say I definitely believe more in Bryant, just because he's way more technically sound. He's way more ready-made. Uh, he was pretty good player. He got thrown at a lot last year. There's a lot to like about him, but the one I'm most excited about is clearly Woolen. He's got one of the, like the most freakish athletic profiles in the, as as a corner in a long time, like he ran, I think four two six as a six for five guy, and like <laughs> nice. those guys just don't come. Like some of the nice. comps, the, yeah, you wrote this well. Like the comp to Sherman is a bit off. I know they're physically similar in size, but like Sherman is just so unique as a player. I don't, you might not see another player like him for twenty years or thirty years. But like, how can you not be excited about a guy who's that big and working with a team that's developed defensive backs and. They've done well with players of that size, but yeah, I think for now and who the one who I trust more, it's clearly Brian. Woolen seems just like a total shot in the dark and hell it's, it's it's exciting as hell. Like that's a great fifth round pick. Uh, Dana, how about you?
3: Um, I, I don't know that either one of them start, um, at the beginning of the season, come mid season, maybe they'll be coming in. Um, I think we still have to see what Trey Brown has to offer at this point. Um, But I, I I agree. I think Kobe Bryant seems a little bit more from what I've read. You guys know, I don't watch a ton of college ball. So I always watch after the season, but um, I I think he seems a little more ready for lack of a better word. So yeah, I agree with Jeff on that one.
1: So Nathan, (laughs) I was listening to somebody break down Kobe Bryant and uh said, hey, if he had, if he had gone, if he had ran a 4-4-4 instead of a 4-5-4, he would have been picked in like the second round. But, you know, he's got really savvy ball skills and, you know, and I had this moment where I thought, I've heard this before. Uh, there was a safety out of Colorado that was named Tedrick Thompson, who we were told had wonderful ball skills, even though he wasn't the best athlete and i think he ran in the four fives and is there a risk there that kobe bryant doesn't have the physical attributes you need to play corner in this league
2: yeah absolutely i mean uh I, i that's a perfect example of the kind of guy who you know can't cut it um so one guy that I always think of in terms of somebody that just like completely defied expectations with the combine, uh, was Vontaze Perfect. Um, so now completely different position, right? But, um, it's not a death sentence and it's not like you ran a four, six, right? I mean, a four, five, four is you, you can survive, but you better be damn good, right? You better really know how to play. Um, so yeah, I mean, when you say about like, who are you more sure? in, like the, the, the easy answer is, is Brian, but I actually don't, I don't know that I'm any more sure in him because there is just such a physical limitation there. Now you don't think that the coaches draft him and then are going to ask him to like do things that he can't physically do. Uh, You know? So I think that that gives you some reassurance Um, Pete. And I, I think all of them have shown, you know, they know this well enough. Right um but man woolen is the potential is very exciting and very unique and i mean the last time i saw a guy like that and i was like boy i don't know is it really gonna work are you sure he can actually play football with dk metcalf and so like (laughs) uh yes you know uh, i'm gonna go with that guy i think
1: yeah that's that's a good one and I'll just say if, if KJ Wright comes out and tells us that Kobe Bryant's going to be great, uh, then I will get real concerned, real concerned, but I, it was cool. I don't know if you guys saw DJ Reed called out Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, said it was a great fit and he's going to love it in Seattle. I thought that was cool, especially because DJ sounded a little miffed about the Seahawks offer or whatever, when he, he bolted and, you know, it sounded like he was saying nice things and, and, uh, and they went back and forth. So that was cool. I, you know, I had to bring up the the physical limitation potential because I do think that it's easy to get overhyped. And there's a reason the guy lasted to where he did. But everything I've seen on Brian and his instincts make me think that he's got a shot to be, to push for starting reps. Like, and I'm curious for all of you, because I looked at that cornerback room it's getting hard to figure out who the starters are going to be. And and like Evan like, Evan hates the corners coming in. And he was like, we got nobody. I'm like, I just disagree. Like, I think we have the deepest cornerback room we've had in a
4: long time. Well, he, he just cracks me up because he, he like talks out of both sides of his mouth. He like talks about how he like wants to tank so bad. And then five minutes later, he talks, he starts freaking out about how bad our corners are. If you want to tank, you want that. corner. It makes, <laughs> I don't
1: understand. But, but what do you think about like, of the corners, who do you think not not just in the draft, but of the whole cornerback room, who are you expecting the three corners, starting corners, to be? I, I'll tell you, I I went out with I think Trey Brown's going to come back healthy enough that he's going to grab one of those spots, and I just loved what I saw. I like love loved what I saw from him when he played. Um, and then I think Sidney Jones. I really just think he's he's a solid. If he's healthy, I think he's your your other outside corner, and then. I like Justin Coleman inside. Now, he's a vet, and the Seahawks in these situations tend to cut the vets late. We saw that with Antoine Winfield back in 2013. Um, but they've also really struggled in the corner position. And I just haven't, or the slot corner position. I don't think Marquise Blair is that guy. And I don't think that, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. The Oregon safety that's played nickel corner for us. Yes, Ugo Amadi, thank you. I don't think either of them has distinguished themselves. Justin Coleman was way better than both of them. So um, those are the three I've got currently, which has some interesting implications. Like, I don't know where Blair fits on this roster. I'm not sure where Amadi fits on this roster. I'm not certain that Artie Burns makes this roster, although I really like him. I think that he could end up being a really good player for us. So, uh, Nathan, do you have... Thoughts on who you think will be the starters at, at corner
2: i think out like you know out of the gate it's gonna be trey brown uh sydney jones and probably Artie burns i guess what do you uh, think burns
1: is gonna play nickel
2: i don't know who i I, mean, I guess that's the thing that coleman really has here is that he's the, just the obvious nickel type yeah but they must think some of these other guys can play nickel they're not... I think Brown could
1: play nickel. I think he's got the body type for it.
2: Yeah, but is that what they want to do with him? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. don't know. He was awesome on the outside. He's so good. And so if he's healthy, I don't think that they want to... They probably don't want to do that with him. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're putting it all on Justin Coleman and Ugo Amadi with the, you know, drafting two corners and bringing in Burns. Um, so they must think there's more positional you know flexibility here and, and part of that may be asking these guys to do some different a little bit of different stuff with the uh, new coaches
1: that's fair too so i, I
2: just yeah uh, i'm going burns just because of the familiarity with desai and everything
1: that's like that makes sense i i i don't for what it's worth i don't think kobe bryant or uh woolen profile is nickel so i think they're they're strictly outside guys and so if they're not beating them i don't think they they start um Jeff, how about you? Who, who do you who do you see as the starters?
4: Yeah, I'm a little hesitant to just put Brown in there because of the injuries coming off. It's an Achilles injury. Uh, those you can take those have ruined careers, That can take a while. So I feel a little uncomfortable slotting him in to start. So I'm gonna start with, I think Cindy Jones is pretty pretty comfortable in there. He looks really solid. I think he he totally fits for where this team is. You kind of take a dice role on him. I think him, I think Burns with the familiarity. I think it'll be Jones and Burns. And then probably Goldman inside to start. But I think Trey Brown by the second half of the season will be clearly starting. And I don't be surprised if guys like Kobe Bryant and some of those guys are pushing for more playing time. But yeah, I think you'll start with Burns and Sidney Jones and Goldman. Not the most exciting group, but again, I look at this as 2011 where Marcus Truffaut and he was the starting corner by week seven or eight. Sherman took over and never gave that job up. But a lot of people forget that they topic about like 2011, LOB and no, like that team was bad. at the secondary for the first seven or eight games. So that's sort of where I see this group. Anything different for you, Dana?
3: No, I agree. I, unless, uh, unless someone just, you know, jumps off the page during camp, I think that they'll probably go with what they know for at least for to begin with. I think then it'll probably depend on how well they play, you know, if they're losing a lot of games or what have you. I, I almost get to the point where I think you get to midseason and you're like, okay, we, let's go ahead and get these guys some time on the field. And so then you bring in the trade run, you maybe bring in your younger guys. But I think to start, unless someone just explodes out of the gate in, in camp, you're probably going to stick with the vet guys that, you know, so it'd be Coleman Jones and Burns, depending on the, the coaching situation. That's part of the fun of this too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 this could be, this is already starting to look so different, you know, defensively, I, I think I, I get real giddy about defense, and I, I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. So, really, it's hard to pick until we know even how these coaches are going to flip everything up. So, it could be, it could be so good. Like, I know people are pissed about Russ, but I'm so damn excited now because we to start over and fresh. Like, I get it. You know it. what?
1: There's not as many people pissed about Russ as you nope. think. When I did that poll, I was shocked. Yep. Eighty percent of the people responding said that they didn't wish Russ was back. They'd rather have what they have and including the picks for next year. And I certainly am in that camp. Like I'm ready for new, even if it's not better, I'm ready for new. So I think that's where a lot of people are. All right. uh, Last question, because I've been teasing it for a while and I want to make sure we talk about it. Uh, How many of these guys do you expect to be starters of this draft class? And I'm talking about let's say but not by injury but by merit like they earn a starting spot okay um and i'll go first so you guys have a chance to kind of think about it i think cross starts i think he's the most obvious so that's one um i think that uh i think i think lucas ends up starting so i'm going to go two there and i think I think that's it. I think those are the two people that I expect to be starters based on merit. I think Walker will definitely get snaps. He could start if there's injury. Um, I think Mafia will get plenty of snaps, um, but I don't see him winning the starting role. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of my, and I don't, as you said, the corners, I don't think they're going to, they're going to jump out there right away. Jeff, what about you?
4: So are you are you talking long term starters or just twenty twenty two?
1: Just this year, just this year, yeah, just like coming out um, and like opening and day
2: starting
4: roles this year. I'm gonna say to start, it's only gonna be one.
1: Mm.
4: I, I think Jake Curran is probably gonna. He's I think they all, they were comfortable with him. A lot of their success at the end of the year might have been with him. So I, I would not be surprised if he opens up as a starter, and Lucas eventually takes over. So and I think Lucas will have a bit of a learning curve in the NFL, which, again, I would rather just play the two rookies and use your lumps and see what happens. But I don't think Mafe is a starter. I think it's pretty clear it's going to be Taylor and Nuosu there. And I think unless Penny gets hurt, it's probably going to be Penny. And they're probably going to see if what happened last year was real. So I see four or five long term starters here, but just for 2022, it might be one yeah let's let's modify it
1: that way who do you see immediately starting and how many do you think are potentially long-term starters so
4: i think i think four to five long-term starters how about you nathan
2: yeah i think the the not by injury part of it makes the 2022 thing hard with penny and walker um uh again, talking about running back value and things, it'd be very interesting if Walker beats Penny out by merit and that it's, you know, there's, he's considerably better. Um, So, but yeah, so I think just one, um, I think cross is the only one that is really a starter over the whole year. Um, Long-term I think cross absolutely starts Walker absolutely starts, uh, you know, next year. uh, And then, um, you probably get at least one starter out of Lucas, Bryant, and Woolen. So I think three, you know, is the safe bet, maybe four.
1: Dana?
3: I, I agree. Can I put a spin on this for just a minute, though? So I'm looking yeah. at the depth chart. I, I really feel like, yes, I, we all think Cross is going to start, right? We know he's fantastic. The weird thing about this is we know nothing about Stone Foresight. And I'm not saying that he did anything spectacular but you sit behind Dwayne Brown so maybe sitting and learning for a year will be a good thing I, I'm just feeling kind of I, I'm feeling good about the depth in that position right now at least until Stone's foresight proves us otherwise for some reason but I think that that could be really interesting um I think cross starts um I wouldn't be surprised I agree with Curhan a little bit but I think if Lucas comes out and is like super willing to learn and super powerful and ready to go. I could see him jumping that a little bit, maybe not day one, but sometime within this, probably maybe even quickly within the season. Um, But long-term I I agree. And, and I don't want to forget, we, we can't forget the undrafted free agents. I know we don't know a ton about them, but we have to remember that there are more undrafted free agents in the hall of fame than there are first round picks. And so we have to keep that in mind that some of these players in the trenches This was a deep draft, so they might show up too. So I'm really excited about that to watch that. But I think, I think probably just the odds of the numbers and the player level players they got, you probably have four, at least four long term starters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Let's hope, let's hope that turns out to be true. Yeah.
2: No one, no one, we didn't even talk about Mafei at all. I think that I think I might have just said his name for the first time on the entire podcast, actually. Uh, And I know some people like him. Uh he's really interesting though. He mm-hmm. he might end up being a very good player for them and never truly being a starter. Right. And right. it won't like be a knock on him at all. Like just kind of the what they might want him to do and how he kind of skews towards pass rush. And just it's it's dumb, right? I mean, your starters are the guys that are out there on first down and say so that skews towards a run and and he may never really get in that group, but I don't I like him. I, I think he's got a lot of potential. So he can still be a good player and not actually end up being uh, counting towards the starters that we're talking about.
1: Yeah. I mean, to Dana's point, I I just, I feel like I can't really comment with confidence about some of these edge players without knowing how they're going to utilize them. And I have to see it. I have to see how that. and I don't think everyone can say like, we know they're playing this three, four. I just don't know. We got a lot of new defensive coaches, including a new defensive coordinator, like, we might be playing way more press than we have been or different zones or like there's all sorts of things that could that could change and so these guys might look amazing once they get out in the field it's like oh my god it fits like a glove we just didn't see it uh may still be like whoa they missed like what if they needed someone that did that why did they draft so i just don't feel like we know that yet and uh it'll make for a fun preseason to be able to kind of see that and of course, it'll probably be frustrating because they won't, won't show us anything. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, all right, well, this has been fun. It's been fun to see all of you. It's fun to talk about a draft that we're all happy with. It's it's like we should bottle this up because the amount of time that all of us are happy with something the Seahawks are doing is is very rare. And uh, yeah, it's good time. So we now are going to head into rookie mini camp. We're going to head into you know uh the uh what are those called the uh otas OTAs. thank you organized team activities and then we got mini camps and training camps all that's coming up here and uh looking forward to that We'll, we'll obviously have more to talk about for that until then please give a show a like give a thumbs up if you haven't already it takes a second uh subscribe to the channel we're growing and growing and growing it's great to see and click the bell to get notified when we go live Who knows, there could be a Baker Mayfield signing at any time. And go to patreon.com slash HawkBlogger, sign up, get instant access to our Slack channel. Conversation goes on there all the time, and you'll be able to ask questions that we'll answer on the show. And you'll meet a lot of cool Seahawks fans. So go ahead and do that right now. You'll be happy that you did. And as always, uh, the money goes to a good cause. So uh, we'll be announcing where we're donating this year and the
4: amount a little bit later this year. Until then, have a wonderful night, everybody.